Hello, juniors. You are listening to the podcast for Monday, March 1st, or Tuesday, March 2nd, depending on your class period. Let's take a moment and remember that we are in God's holy presence. All right. This podcast is going to guide you through today's work as if Mr. Meyer was there talking you through it like he was in the classroom with you. Okay, so first thing you need to do today is on your slides, slide number one, make sure you've got everything that you need for today, including your textbook. And then you need to fill out the attendance form to make sure that Mr. Meyer knows that yes, you are present, yay for you. In order to fill out the attendance form, you need to read slide number three before you fill out the attendance form. So read slide number three before you fill out the attendance form. I will give you a moment to do that. You can pause me if necessary. All right, now that you have read slide number three and filled out the attendance form for today, we can start working. So we are in a new unit, as you may have noticed. All right, this unit is called Industry and Imperialism. All right, today is covering the basics of both. The first half of today, we will cover the basics of industry. The second half of today, we will cover the basics of imperialism. And then for the rest of the unit, we will be going back and forth between industry and imperialism. All right. So you probably should be taking some notes right now. All right. So notes on industry. The industry part of this unit is based on the Industrial Revolution. We briefly covered this last semester when we talked about sectionalism and how it led to the Industrial Revolution in the northern part of the United States led to sectionalism in the U.S. and also led to slavery becoming more entrenched in the United States. All right, so we've already covered some of industry, all right? What is industry when we're saying industry? Industry is using resources to produce other refined resources. Okay, so when we say industry, we're talking about controlling resources in order to produce something, another resource. All right, so our biggest examples are going to be steel mills and factories where you refine the metal and or you make anything that requires metal, right? And our other biggest example would be textile mills or factories. Textile has to do with cotton. So you need the raw resource of cotton for a textile mill to work. And then at the textile mill, you take the cotton and turn it into a sellable resource, right? Like clothing. Any other factory that you can think of that would have existed in the mid to late 1800s would also apply here. All right. Now, with all of these, the key to the 
industry and factories is the invention of the steam engine and the railroad, right? In order to move the resources from their raw state to the factories where you turn them into something good and then take them from the factory to where you're going to sell them, you need railroads to do that quickly and efficiently, right? And so during this time, railroads started being built all across the United States. And those that were able to control the railroads became the most powerful people in the United States. Let's go to slide number five, all right? We're going to be looking today as our beginning part of industry at a specific person in industry, someone known as a robber baron. They are also known as tycoons, captains of industry, industrial statesmen, or industrialists, just kind of depending on the mood of the country and or whoever's talking about them at the moment in history. All right. So what I want you to do is open your textbook and read pages 496 to 503. Stop at the corporate workplace. All right. Now, in part one of today's assignment post, you've got notes or you've got a document that you're going to take notes on as you read these pages. You're taking notes on two things, what a robber baron is and how robber barons gain control of industries. Those are the two things you're taking notes on. Be specific and concise. Use your own words. All right. Doing this should take you between 20 and 25 minutes. All right. It sounds like a lot of reading. It's not as much as it looks. All right. It's a decent chunk, but it won't take you too long. All righty. So when you are done reading, submit your notes and then go to your first lesson question and answer the first lesson question about robber barons and answer it. That should take you no more than five minutes. So 30 minutes. You will pause this podcast to do all of that, and then we will move on to the next part. Now that you have read about robber barons, taken your notes on robber barons, and answered the lesson question about robber barons, take your 15-minute break, all right? Now, please make sure that you are beginning part two of today about imperialism no more than 45 minutes or no later than 45 minutes before the end of your class period, all right? All right, guys, take your 15-minute break and come back here when you're done. All righty, kiddos. Now, part two of today is about imperialism. Now, to learn what imperialism is, we need to learn what a different ism is first. And that different ism is nationalism. All right. 
you should be taking notes here again. Right? So nationalism, I'm betting the first thing that popped into your head is something along the lines of pride in your country. Okay. That, my friends, is actually patriotism. All right. Just pride in your country is patriotism. It's not a bad thing. All right. Nationalism is excessive pride in one's country. And by having excessive pride in one's country, you're putting the interests of your country above literally anything else. All right. Including the greater good. Okay, this is actually kind of like the inverse of sectionalism. Sectionalism, putting the interests of your region above the interests of the country. Nationalism is just putting the interests of the country above literally anything else. Okay, I personally kind of like to describe nationalism as patriotism on steroids. All right. Nationalism is patriotism, patriotism all roided up. All right, and when you're all roided up, sometimes bad things happen, okay? And the reason we need to start with nationalism is because around the entire world, from like the 1840s on to about the early 1900s, um, nationalism was what all the cool countries did, all right? Every single cool country in the world did nationalism. So the U.S., guess what, has to do nationalism. All right. Now, to dig into what nationalism is and what nationalism might lead to and the attitudes of nationalism and how it affects people in the country, we're going to read the Butter Battle book. By Dr. Seuss. Actually, and to be more accurate, right, I'm reading it to you like it's kindergarten. So there's a link to a video version of me reading the Butter Battle book to you. Pause this podcast and enjoy the Butter Battle, Butter Battle book kindergarten style. Sit on the floor, crisscross applesauce, you know, the fun kindergarten stuff. And while you're listening to the story, listen for what national what Dr. Seuss thinks nationalism will lead to. All right, kids. Now that you have enjoyed the Butter Battle book, I'm going to give you the definition of imperialism. Okay, and then what I want you to do after that is connect nationalism and imperialism. All right, so you're going to need notes on what imperialism is. So the definition of imperialism is that one country is extending, exerting its control over another place in the world, another region that's not part of that country. And they're doing that in order to gain control of resources and gain power. Okay. You may have noticed in the Butter Battle book that a lot of it had to do with military and violence. Imperialism can be done with the use of military and violence, but it's not a requirement for imperialism to be to exist. All right. You can do imperialism without the military and violence. 
Although, as we will see in this unit, the military and violence is often around when imperialism is. Right. Just for kicks and giggles, I bet you you can think of some things that might qualify as imperialism in U.S. history that we've studied so far. All right. Last semester, you can probably think of a few. Okay. Now, just like nationalism, imperialism was what all the cool kids were doing. All right. From the mid to late 1800s into the early 1900s, every country that was somebody. All right. So every country that was powerful in the world was doing imperialism. So guess what? The U.S. had to do it to hashtag peer pressure. Now, what I want you to do is answer the question on slide number 10. How does nationalism lead to imperialism? You're going to answer that question in 15 seconds or less on a flip grid. So I want you to come up with an answer that you can say in 15 seconds or less and then record yourself saying that answer on the Flipgrid link that's in part two of today's assignment, the part two assignment post for today. All right, all told, thinking of it, recording it, uploading it, five, 10 minutes, okay? Not very long. Then once you're done with that, leave that link open, but go and answer your second lesson question for today. Make sure that gets answered. That should take a few minutes not very long. And once you've completed that, go back to the Flipgrid link and watch your classmates' responses. And like the ones, the one that you think provides the best answer to this question. All right. You can't vote for yours is the only rule. And you can only do one like. Okay. All right. If there's 15, if there's not very much time left in class, like five, 10 minutes, you're all good to go. Happy joy. If you've got 15, 20 plus minutes left of class because you've cranked through everything, you've got some optional things to read on slide number 10 that there's no pressure. Just if you're interested, read it. And that will take up your time for the rest of class. All right, guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. We'll catch you later this week.